The Bible reading this morning comes from uh, the book of Matthew in the New Testament, um, chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows... It is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. One of the ministry leadership principles that I um, really live by and am persuaded by is the idea of longevity. In other words, um, the longer that you stick at a ministry, unless, unless you really shouldn't be there, most of the time, the longer that you stick at a ministry, the more you'll see amazing fruit and that God will do significant things. For example, when I, I used to do schools ministry, one of the... Um, Chaplains that I got to know was a guy called, the, called uh, Graham Bradbeer, who was the chaplain of Scotch College. He was there for about 30, 25, 30 years or something like that. And, um, you know, over time, he grew in his sort of uh, influence in the school to the point where when I got to know him, he was considered like perhaps the second most significant or important person in the leadership community of the school. So the principal took his advice very seriously, and um, he was, Graham was able to preach every week in assembly to all the boys in the senior school, and our boys would come back to see him decades after they had left school and talk to him about spiritual matters and faith, and um, many, many, most school chaplains, if you're a school chaplain here, I think we've got at least one, hands up if you're a school chaplain. Ah, uh, there you go, James Howe. So, you know, James Howe, he's in his first week at Trinity Grammar. He won't have that kind of influence. But in about 30 years, James, um, you'll have this kind of influence. And, um, you, know, uh, you, know, you know, Graham would tell me, you know, oh, a student just came back. He, he's now like a surgeon or something, you know. He told me he's become a Christian. You know, these kind of stories. And, and he'd say, oh, you know, apparently something that I said back in 1984 really influenced him, you know. So this kind of longevity for my mum, for example, she, she was the organist at the church we grew up in, St. James Anglican Church um, in Ivanhoe, and she was the organist for, again, about, I don't know, 25, 20 years or something, or I think it was 20 years or so. And anyway, um, week in, week out, she played the organ, and she was the choir master too. And she had this choir that, uh, there was about 30 of us in the choir, and it was all ages, going from sort of five, I think, you had to be able to read the prayer book or read the I think it was the Lord's Prayer and you got into the choir um, that was the past so you didn't have to sing in tune or anything but it became like a um, more than a choir it was like a youth group it was a children's club it was also um, an old ladies club you know um, and we all mixed together and she just did it because that's what she enjoyed doing and she loved to serve the community and the church and make the music as well but the Im- impact of that went way beyond what just singing the songs, you know. Years later, people say, oh, the choir was one of the ways I really got involved and was able to serve at church and grew um, in my faith and, and got to know the community. And so there was a significance there that, that, 
that occurred through the longevity of it, of just sticking at it week after week and not just giving up after trying for a year or whatever. For me, I'm approaching 20 years in ministry and um, I've seen God work powerfully in different ways over the long haul. So yesterday um, I, was, uh, I went to the Anglican ordination service where 20 people were ordained and it was really encouraging. And one of the guys there who got ordained, I'd um, prayed with about 10 years ago during the church service, Youth and Young Adults Church Service at St Hilary's, prayed to him and said, I think God's telling you to become an Anglican minister. Because I, I really did think that at, the mo- at, the, at that time. Anyway, he was ordained yesterday. And it just blows your mind when you have those kind of experiences of God working in a wild way. Uh, it's one of the benefits of sticking at the long haul. Now, this principle is true for any kind of ministry. You don't have to be a minister of a church or a school chaplain. It can be true for if you're a small group, community group leader or a children's ministry leader or um, if you're a prayer, sticking at praying for people for the long haul really makes a massive difference. And to be able to do that, to be able to stick at things for the long haul in ministry, it really makes a difference when you have a right understanding of the kingdom of God. You've got to have a right understanding of how the kingdom works and how God works in the kingdom because when you have a clear grasp of that, then it puts you in good stand, or good, good, a good footing on the ground for the, to be able to blast that distance. Because if you have a wrong understanding of how the kingdom of God works, you might begin to forget what God's doing and you'll forget what, what your role is and what God's role is. You might think it's all up to you. You might get discouraged if you don't see much fruit after a, a week or two or a year or, or three or four years. You might... You might think, oh, time to give up. The second part of our church's vision statement says this. Imagine a church community whose active and transformative presence was dispersed in the community like yeast in dough. You'll see in the front of your booklet it written down and also a picture of a nice sourdough. The image of the yeast in the dough is directly referring to the parables, the kingdom of God Parables we just had read to us by Caitlin from the Gospel of Matthew. It also reflects the fact that we are a church who do not own our own property. So when we were forming the vision of our church five years ago, we thought, well, how can we make a virtue of the fact that we don't own property, that we're not locked into a building? Well, why don't we make a virtue of the fact that we're dispersed in the community so that we'll be having our Sunday services in a school hall or having our office in Johnson Street, Fitzroy, amongst other offices, not in a normal kind of, what you imagine to be a normal church office. Or that, um, you know, we'll we'll have some of our gatherings in the park or our playgroups in the the Jaka Jaka Centre or in the North Fitzroy Library. Um, Or the choir will sing, not necessarily only in church, but in the Wesleyan Hotel, you know, in, in High Street, Northgate. Not to mention... Um, our um, schools where we spend time as parents and as kids and our workplaces, our sporting clubs. What we are saying is we want to be in those places bringing the kingdom of God and all the effects and power of the kingdom to those places and the people who are there. But to do this, we've got to have a right understanding of the kingdom of God and what God's doing. So let's have a look at what the parables say. And uh, we'll get, I think, about three, three or so key ideas. So 
first thing that we get from these parables, very famous parables, is that the kingdom of God has a powerful effect on the world. The, prin- the principle of the kingdom of God is that where the kingdom of God is in the world, by that I mean wherever the people of God are in the world, the people who represent and proclaim the kingdom of God, those people have a power, powerful effect on society. See, these two kingdom of God parables that Jesus has told us is about change. It's about the change of state, you know, from a mustard seed to a big tree, or I think Jesus says. By the way, I know that mustard seeds don't produce trees, they produce bushes, but let's not get pedantic. Jesus is not giving us a, a lesson in arboriculture the study of trees. Uh, think about the change in the dough from the yeast. It's going for a scrabble. Uh, think about the change in the dough from the yeast. You know, it grows into a beautiful loaf. Change occurs when the kingdom of God is present. When the kingdom of God invades the earth, amazing change occurs like miraculous birth. That's what you read about in the Bible. Fulfilled prophecies. Inspiring sermons. Astonishing miracles. Sinners turning away from their sin. Reconciliation between enemies. Light overpowering darkness. Lives transformed. Justice. Righteousness. So just by being here in this part of Melbourne, we have to believe that as representatives of the kingdom of God, that change is occurring all around us. And then we're not the only example of the kingdom of God in, in, in the inner north of Melbourne. There are Christians everywhere. But where we are, when we represent the kingdom of God, and that's what we are as children of God, if we, are, if we have said yes to Jesus and turned to him, then change is occurring. People and systems and communities experience healing, justice, holiness, love, the beauty of God's perfect order. That's what it means for the kingdom of God to come, to break in and cause change. God is using you at school with your friends. He's using you with your colleagues at work. He's linking up what you're doing with what other Christians are doing. Do you visit sick people from church or from the community? Know that you are doing kingdom work and that change is occurring and that God is using you. Do you go along to the playgroups? Know that just by being there, you are bringing the kingdom of God to those people and change is occurring. Do you pray for your neighbours and take an active interest in their lives? Know that by doing that, you're doing kingdom work and change is occurring. Do you think carefully about your finances and about how to give it away to ministries, to charities, to people who need it, and you go online to your banking and you set up the payment and you type in the numbers and you press go and the number transfers from there to there and uh, what, what, you don't know what's going to happen next. Change is occurring. This is kingdom work. God is using you. You're an agent of kingdom change. You might think what you're doing in your life and ministry is insignificant. Think differently. God is using you, even if you can't see how. And that brings me to our second point about the kingdom of God 
that it is about God's hidden power. The master's seed and the yeast in dough parables show us that in the kingdom, God's power is hidden. You can't see it. You can only see its effect. And even then, sometimes you can't even see its effect. And in fact, it's deliberately hidden. The kingdom is hidden to who? It's hidden from the wise and intelligent, says Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 25, and given to the disciples as a secret, using Jesus' language, which is not available to others. Jesus is telling us the things that have been hidden since the creation of the world, he says in Matthew 13, verse 35. God's power is like treasure hidden in a field, he says in Matthew 13, verse 44. And the Israelites couldn't see it. Even though Jesus was spreading the gospel right in front of their very eyes, everywhere he went, all kinds of miracles and amazing things that he said, lives transformed. It was like the fruit of his labor had yet to be seen. The people were drawn to him, but the crowd standing by the seashore looked more like like the soils of the beaten path, the shallow ground, the weedy ground, weed-infested ground, using the language uh, that Jesus uses in the parable of the sower. And Jesus actually was frustrated but that he would do all this ministry and not many people would follow him. He, 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 he talked about his own ministry and John the Baptist's ministry and he said, we played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. Despite all his labor, God was more pleased to have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and reveal them to little children. The secrets of the kingdom would be lost on many people, hidden from their eyes, but not for long. It's deliberately kept hidden for the time being, but one day it will be plain for all to see. As it says in Revelation, there'll be no longer need, a need for the sun to shine because God's presence will be so bright that that will light up the city of God, his radiant presence, no longer hidden. But until that time arrives, the kingdom of God overlaps with this world and there's like a curtain in between. And every so often God pulls back the curtain and the kingdom of God breaks through into this world in a miraculous and powerful way. And that's being part of the church, what we get to experience when miracles occur, when your heart is stirred while reading the Bible, when you are sharing in communion with each other, when systematic injustice is turned around and new laws are created to save people, when a sinner repents and turns to Christ, it's like God pulls that curtain back and the kingdom of God breaks through. So while God's action in the world is almost imperceptible, nevertheless, while you can't see it, it is real. And in God's own time, it will have an impact. The mustard seed perils and the yeast perils tell us that this is happening here and now. So if we walk outside, there'll be seeds everywhere, won't there? Because that's how, you know, there's trees and they create seeds. Seeds are all over the place. You cannot see them, but they're there doing their work. If you walk into Baker's Delight after church, which we often do as a family to get our little things up, you know, lunch for after church, it is full of yeast, but you can't see it. 
Much of what we learn about the kingdom is mysterious. Earlier in Matthew 13, 11, Jesus says that what he is teaching in these kingdom parables are the secrets of the kingdom. So the fact that God's power is hidden but real and powerful was an important point of encouragement to those bunch of fishermen that were trying to you know, do their thing for Jesus, who must have been thinking, what are we actually doing here, fellas? And Jesus is saying to, him, to them, God is the primary reality in this world. He's moving. And no, even though it's hidden, he's here now by his power. See, God's power is not what you think. The kingdom of God is not what you think. It's inconspicuous. It's hidden and it's invisible. And here's the third idea we get from these parables, and this is really important to our vision, that you cannot stop the kingdom. Even though you might feel resistance against your faith or against the church in general in Australian culture, you must realize that the kingdom of God is unstoppable. My mum and dad were just in China for holidays last month, and um, they would you know, literally travelling around. One of the things they wanted to do was visit um, a friend who'd become a Christian. It was, it was a Chinese professor who'd been in Melbourne and he'd converted to Christ. He was at Melbourne Uni, converted to Christ at their church at St Paul's Cathedral. And um, incredible story. And, um, but while he was here, he'd been spied on by the Chinese uh, government. Uh, and um, he went home and... Um, this is just kind of part of life for Chinese Christians... And um, when, he w- when he was over in, in China, uh, mum and dad wanted to visit him, but they were a bit nervous about it. And only a f- like a week or so before, um, he'd been trying to visit another Christian friend in China who was visiting. And uh, the Communist Party people came and knocked on his door, went to his house and said, you are not to visit that woman. And they'd been reading his emails and they'd seen the arrangement that had been set up. So he had to make contact with his Christian friend via a Chinese professor at Melbourne Uni and uh, they, there was kind of this roundabout contact made so that um, his life wasn't in danger and her life wasn't in danger. So mum and dad were recommended by people who are experts at this stuff not to visit him uh, because they might get arrested. Now, you'd think that if you were a Christian experiencing that kind of stuff, that you know, you'd feel disheartened about what God is doing in China. But the church is going gangbusters in China. It is growing rapidly. Uh, of those Chinese Christians we know of that are you know, registered as Christians, that they say it's about 2.3% of the population, but experts believe that's many, many, many more because one of the largest growing churches is the underground church. Um, even though you have the whole Chinese government and Communist Party spying on the church, the kingdom of God is not stoppable in China. It's irrepressible, like a mustard plant that can take over a garden, like yeast that leavens the entire lump of dough. The kingdom of God is invading our world, and it won't stop until it reaches every corner of the earth. We often think of evil as unstoppable, don't we? We we think everywhere we look, every time we turn on the television or read the news, it seems like evil is the thing that's unstoppable, like weeds spoiling the fields. If you work in the justice industry, you might be thinking that. Sometimes our efforts in the justice world, you know, doing work, fighting for justice, seem like we're not getting anywhere. 
barely noticeable change, dwarfed by the madness of evil, yet what is small is huge in heaven. Just a matter of time, change will occur. The, the least will become the greatest. The last will become the first. Part of what Jesus is talking about also is the image of the mustard seed growing branches and birds landing in it. And he's, it seems like he might be referring back to images from the Old Testament. Like, so in Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And um, in it, there's a tree. And Daniel interprets it and, and, and basically says, this is a, 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 an image of, of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom growing out and um, extending to the ends of the ends of the earth. And uh, in Ezekiel 17:23, the Lord reveals to the prophet an image of what he he would do, saying that he will plant a cedar on on the mountain of Israel, and birds of every kind, the Gentiles, will be welcomed into this tree, into the kingdom. So perhaps what Matthew is also saying is, um, you know, the kingdom of God is so unstoppable that, that even the Gentiles are going to come in and be part of this, the kingdom. So you might have been doing one particular ministry or another and not seen much impact. You might be looking at Mary Creek Anglican and wondering what God is doing. You might even be looking at the Anglican Church in Australia and you might be wondering, what is God doing? You might be looking at the church in the world and you might be thinking that. And it is true that there are many, uh, you know, uh, I'll admit, churches where they're just playing dress-ups and they're running, you know, kind of country clubs. And there are some churches like that. But there are many, many, many other Christians around the world quietly serving God, serving him in different ways. Being sacrificial. Praying for people. Teaching the scriptures. God is working powerfully, invisibly, bringing kingdom change. It may be unnoticed or even disdained by people for the time being, but the time will come when it will be impossible to ignore it. Jesus himself had to minister within this mysterious kingdom dynamic. His teaching and miracles experienced ambivalent and hostile reactions. In, in Matthew 12, the Pharisees accuse him of doing devil work. <laughs> there have always been people who have looked at the church and Christians said this is like small time, it's not the, the main game. The main game is not the church. What are you doing? Getting involved in church work. That's wrong. How can you despise the day of small things, says Zechariah 4 verse 10. He says, if you do that, you'll eat your words. The people of the kingdom of God must be patient, like John the Baptist who patiently waited for Jesus to begin his ministry. The final outcome, the day of completion, may take time, but it is certain. This is what it means to be serving in the kingdom of God, which is bringing kingdom change to this broken world by the hidden, 